Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes And the Oscar to... goes to... My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten your... I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer, kid. All real America. Love is... is love. Too weak a word. Stay back. I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you if there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that's what you told me? It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight. Best Picture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of the next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia. That is who I am. And joining me today... <laughs> If you can hear him by the laughter, that is Mr. Will Mavity. Hi, guys. And we also have Josh Williams. What is going on, everybody? Josh, thank you so much for waking up early to be with us this morning. Oh, it's a pleasure. I, myself, am uh, recovering from a hangover from a wedding (laughs) last night. I am very tired. (laughs) Pretty exhausted right now. Um, I thought we could uh, talk, first first of all, about... You know, anything general that you guys have seen this week uh, that you want to just discuss here on the show. Um, I, for example, Josh, I know that you and I, we saw Baby Driver. We reviewed that this week. But I know that you saw, well, I know you saw some other things, too. Um, are we referring to what I think we're referring to? I think we are referring to what you think we are referring to. Uh, Transformers 5. Mm, the beautiful, yeah. glorious piece of cinema. <laughs> It was it was amazing. Peace and resistance. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Is it really as bad as everyone says it is? Like really that bad? Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> I mean, like some of the uh, reviews, like just the snippets I saw on Rotten Tomatoes, I thought were hysterical on their own. I love the one that's just like the guy. Um, uh, I can't remember his name, but he. It's just him like typing gibberish <laughs> on his keyboard, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Man. Oh, it's the reviews are riveting. I I don't think I've ever seen it. Like, was it Bill Jalbury who just had the particularly? Yeah, creative? that's the guy. Yeah. He was just like typing a random gibberish. And these ones like saying, "I don't think I'll ever know love again" and stuff. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's funny because it has like it has kind of like a reverse psychology effect. Like it's so bad it starts to become good. Like in a really campy sort of way. Like like the room, for example. No, it's just like because it's so long because it's almost three hours and so like. Oh my god. After the first hour 45, you're just overfilled with garbage and sludge that once you're just like, this actually isn't that bad. But then when you leave, you're like, what am I thinking? That was terrible. Yeah. Well, Jake Coyle, the Associated Press says, maybe that's the feeling of your brain cells dying a painful, agonized death. That's true. So might be what it is. You're probably stupider because you saw it. Yeah, I feel stupider, especially with the (laughs) audience I saw it with. 
Oh, God. Tell me they liked it and they ate it oh, up. Oh, they loved it. They were like, yeah, so Transformers. I was just like, oh, my God. And it's it's making bank uh, abroad. I mean, it's it's going to do just fine. Oh, well, of course it will. You know. I, I, and you know what's going to end up happening? Michael Bay is going to say, well, we made this movie for audiences and they're responding in kind at the box office. We didn't make this movie for critics. No, I think Michael Bay's smarter than that. I don't know if he'll say that. I just, it just feels like everybody is saying that nowadays. Yeah. It's like it's like the trend to do in Hollywood right now. Yeah. It's very interesting because Transformers, the series, is like the epitome of everything that I hate about Hollywood. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's funny. I loved the first one back when it came out. I really out. liked Like the when first I was one. in seventh grade, yeah, I it still was the, the coolest first one. movie. I in the still world. think the fr- I will still go up to bat for the first one. Absolutely. I will too. I definitely will. It's, about, it's a story about a boy in his car, you yeah. know? Not a boy in his dog, a boy in his car. Did we notice that they just, um, someone pointed out, they just casually mentioned that they killed off Sam Witwicky and his entire family off screen? It's hilarious. When it happens, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, tell us about because, it. Because the first, oh my god, oh, I'm getting a headache thinking about it. The first, um, like, hour and a half is just exposition of a story that doesn't even matter, really. So... There's a part where, um, cause Mark Wahlberg gets chosen by this like talisman thing to be the last knight, and he's like the last person who can stop, um, the like death of Earth or whatever. And then there's this British woman who is the last descendant of the wizard Merlin, and she's the only person left on the world who can wield um, this staff that can like cause all-out destruction on Earth or simultaneously like save Earth and Cybertron. So the two of them have to like join up with Anthony Hopkins, and Anthony Hopkins is like the last um, Witwicky family member, and so he just when he's <laughs> discussing like the Witwickies, he just like slowly glosses over the fact that like he's like yep I'm the last one they're all dead and then they like pan over some shots of everybody <laughs> and there's that like um, shot of Shia LaBeouf with his hair all crazy and he's just like they're all dead and then he's like next thing <laughs> that sounds so preposterous it's really it really oh, is oh man how how like do you, the screenplay sounds so intricate like people really spend time on this how how do people think that this stuff is a good idea What's what's annoying about the screenplay is like the <clears throat> the story that we finally get to is not that bad. Like it's decent, you know, in terms of like a really shitty summer blockbuster, but they take so long to get there that you don't care by the time it arrives. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Well, that's a little rough. Yeah. I'm sure we'll probably review this on the podcast at some point, so I'm not going to go into full detail about it, but I saw my number one favorite film of the year so far, and that is uh, Michael Showalter's The Big Sick. Mm, I want to see that so badly. Oh, it's taking your spot as number one? Yes, it has. Uh, Logan has officially been dethroned. Sorry, Mangold. So, yeah. Um, I got to meet Kumail, Emily, Zoe, Ray, and Holly uh, at the screening, which was really cool. Uh, Ray Romano was a very, very welcome sight, and uh, he was like just funny and joyous and everybody was like really nice. I wished them all the best of luck on the movie success. And I, you know, told them that I was really excited for them. And then Kumail was like, Oh, and what movie are you going to see? And I'm like, I'm going to see your movie. And then everybody did like a, Aww. like a cheer, like a, yay, you know, 
I like that everybody likes Ray Romano again. He was a fucking joke for a few years there, and it's I'm glad to see that he's kind of, you know, people are enjoying his talent again. People like him enough that they're saying that he could get an Oscar nomination, and I don't buy it. Uh, but I'm happy that people think that. I know Schwartz is convinced that uh, is it Holly Hunter who's in it. And um, she's good. Romano are both getting in. She's good. She's got she's got a scene that you know is uh, decent. It's I just don't see it happening for either one of them. Either they both get in because both fields are incredibly weak, or uh, they both don't get in at all. So one of the two is Kumali getting a an actor nod? Do you think? No, but no. but he wrote it. He'll get a screenplay nomination yeah, possibly, right? I, I, and, that was, and that was where I was having some difficulty was. I could see this getting a screenplay nomination and a Best Picture nomination, and that's it. Wow. And I think the last movie to do that was A Serious Man. Yeah, but we've had, like, Selma got in with just a song nomination, so it, it can happen still. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just very unlikely. I mean, we'll see. We will see. And, Will, did you get a chance to see anything this week, or are you still struggling to see movies in 2017? <laughs> um, I saw Beauty and the Beast and the Lego Batman movie. Um, really enjoyed the Lego Batman movie. It's, you know, one of the fresher takes on Batman. It's not quite as enjoyable as the Lego movie, but it's, uh, you know, it, it actually gives Batman a character arc, which we haven't had in a very long time with a Batman film. Um, it is energetic, engaging, and does a decent exploration of his psyche as on-the-nose intentionally as it is. Yeah, it's it's not an extraordinary animated film, but it's a lot of fun. And um, it, other than Wonder Woman is the only thing that DC's put out in a while that I really enjoyed. So I like that. Beauty and the Beast was okay. It's very pretty to look at. Um, the fact that when I was asking Michael Schwartz and people about it, the next day they were having to remind me what certain songs even were is pretty telling about how much it stuck with me. But it's not bad. I think it'll be a costume contender this year. Yeah, yeah, costume production design, I have it in for. You think Lego Batman movie could contend for animated, or you think it'll be too far removed? <sighs> um, It depends on what kind of campaign Warner Brothers do, does for it. Um, I don't know why the first, the animation department didn't go for the first Lego movie. That's still, uh, that's still an open wound for me. So, yes, could it contend? I, I don't think it could possibly win. I think a nomination is not out of the question, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in the same uh, boat as you there. Okay, sounds cool. Sounds good. Sounds like everybody had a very productive week. Um... I was very, very happy to catch up on uh, some movies uh, myself, um, one of which we will be actually talking about next week called The Beguiled. I can't Sophia wait to see Coppola's that, too. new movie. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that in the spirit of the release of The Beguiled, we could talk a little bit about Miss Sofia Coppola for a moment here, who is a very, very unique and interesting voice within the filmmaking community. She's obviously not interested in directing a Hollywood blockbuster film. She's very much always retained her own voice through her work. And she's really cemented herself as one of the dominant female voices, I would say. Um, 
does anyone like in terms of her filmography do you guys feel like she has uh, grown as an artist do you guys feel like she's gotten better um what's your favorite movie of hers any general thoughts? I think it is hard for anyone when you was Lost in Translation was her second film, right? She mm-hmm. did Virgin Suicides first. Yeah, when your second film is as good as Lost in Translation, um, it is hard to top that. And I think that um, a lot of her films in the mid two thousands and early two thousand tens were judged accordingly because they weren't Lost in Translation. I'm in, I'm in agreement with that too. And Lost in Translation is astonishing. So you know, like I think having made a film like that in itself is enough to get you branded as an extremely talented filmmaker. But so Josh, you would you would say that is also your favorite of her films? Yeah, it's my favorite. But I think I agree with you in the terms of like one, once Lost in Translation was made, the entire like film world was like, okay, Sofia Coppola now has to make every other movie Lost in Translation, and that's not right. that's not what they got. So they were like, uh, these aren't that great. But I don't, I I have yet to see a bad movie from her. So, oh, absolutely not. Even even the Bling Ring, like, um, even that is solid. But yeah, I mean, and I think now we're you know we're fourteen years from Lost in Translation. Everybody knows they liked it, but it's you know they're they're not expecting everything to be Lost in Translation anymore. And now people are just excited, particularly in these political times, to see strong films made by females. And I think people are just ready to accept. Okay, this is this is good as is. Um, so uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on Sofia Coppola? Um, I, I think that she's grown as a visual storyteller, and I think that that's really evident by the beguile when you guys watch it in terms of its tone, its mood, and what she's really just going for in terms of the, the evocative nature of the screenplay and bringing that to the forefront. It's not her best movie, but I think it's her best work as a director. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, her best screenplay is Lost in Translation. Hands down. I mean, there's no competing with that. <laughs> yeah. It's also fairly well directed already. Lost in Translation was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a very appealing film to look at. Mm-hmm. Thank, thanks, Yoda. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, a Very Murray Christmas. Do we even consider that part of her filmography? No. I, I don't yeah. think so. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, just wanted, I just wanted to ask. Has anyone seen Somewhere? No. I heard good things about it, though. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, no, it's the only one of hers I have not actually caught. Um, but I, I'm going to make a point to do so now because it just from a completionist uh, standpoint. I think The Virgin Suicides is a really good uh, first film for anybody. You know, any, sure, anybody yeah. that was making their first movie, I think that's a really good one for sure. That's something proud to have for sure. Absolutely. Great score. That movie is a great soundtrack. And it's shot by uh, Edward Lackman. Like, that's pretty impressive that you yeah. got in right. your first movie. Mm. Well, I mean, her father is... Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, you yeah. know, who's who's obviously got connections and friends in high places, Fair you enough. know. So, Marie Antoinette is a film that I feel like gets better every time I see it. I haven't seen it since 2006, and I, I was I've not... i watched in, it the one time, yeah. Yeah, I was not impressed when I saw it in the theaters, but I've heard a lot of people are reevaluating it in hindsight. Yeah, I really don't think it's, it's as bad as people thought it was i think that the soundtrack is awesome in that movie 
and the imagery is pretty incredible. Um, you know, the sets are really uh, amazingly well done. The costumes are fantastic. And, you know, one thing that you notice uh, throughout here is it didn't occur to me because she's not the star of the movie. I guess you could argue Nicole Kidman is in The Beguiled. Uh, just how much she's worked with uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. I was going to say Kirsten Dunst is really good in Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And she's only got, she's she's somebody else that's only gotten better um, as her career has gone on too, and still relatively uh, young uh, when you think about it. Kirsten Dunst has been with us for a while, and she's not even forty. Wow. Yeah. Oh, people loved her in Fargo, didn't they? Yeah. Oh yeah. I I did not realize she was a particularly good actress until I saw her in Melancholia. Um, it, she's consistently impressed me since then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um. And I think Bling Ring is a fun movie. Um, I don't think it's a great movie. I think that um, as a send-off, though, for uh, Harris uh, Savitas, uh, cinematographer, mm. I think that that film is uh, better <laughs> shot than uh, it, it deserved to be. Uh, let me <laughs> let me put it to you that way. There's that um, one really, really incredible uh, shot um, of the house um at night and you see all the lights and you can see like through all the windows and the rooms and you see them like just going through the house pretty much um as the camera is mm. like, uh, doing this really big wide shot um and it's just so well lit and the color is really unique and interesting um i just found that movie to be not great but solid once again you know it's it's a movie that i know some people mm, weren't really you know fans of but and from the cinematography standpoint, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, Spring Breakers. Yeah, right. It feels like a Harmony Korine mm-hmm. picture, basically. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. So trust me when I say this. When you guys watch The Beguiled, I think you're going to see that there is a maturity to how she um, utilizes uh, genre filmmaking. Um, there's definitely like an Alfred Hitchcockian uh, influence over this movie in many ways. What would you call the genre here? I mean, is it is it a thriller? Would you say? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, here's the one thing I'm going to just say in regards to the movie. It can be a little underwhelming. Um, I maybe went in with expectations that the story was going to get into like body horror, like Cronenberg Cronenberg style, and it was going to get like you know, like really gory and nasty and it doesn't. Um, instead, she really, really um, paints a picture instead of not something as visceral as seeing something gory, but instead um, really highlights the relationships between the women and the man played by Colin Farrell in this movie and how that is more hideous and ugly than anything else. Is the aspect ratio 4-3? Mm, yes, uh, but well, I think it's. Uh, what am I thinking of? One six six. Or yeah, uh, like whatever it is. But yeah, quote yeah, unquote yes. four three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, quote unquote. Yeah, yes, the bars are on the side. Damn. <laughs> Why? I don't. <laughs> Why I just don't. I'm. I'm tired of that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, this is an old timey film. No, yeah, it makes but I'm, sense. I'm tired of that too. Like I'm just ner- like I'm nervous that a ghost story is shot like that too, and I'm just like mm-hmm. I don't want to see that anymore. <laughs> I mean, has it ever like impeded a film for you? Like no, never. Uh, anything Wes Anderson? No, never. I just like I just like the fullness of like sixteen nine. You know, the thing about this place, it's claustrophobic. He's trapped inside a house yeah, essentially. Yeah. Of course, it's going to be a constrained frame. Yeah, yeah. 
And I mean, Xavier Dolan knew how to play with that and Mommy. Have you guys seen that where he literally reaches out yeah, and, and he, stings like, the aspect the ratio? Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's awesome. Oh, Sofia Coppola was in Star Wars? What the hell? Yeah. She's in The Phantom Menace? Yeah. I did, I did not know um, that. Any uh, Oscars for The Beguile? Mm, if I had my way, I'd throw it a cinematography nomination. Okay. But I think it's just early in the year. And unless if the field is incredibly weak, which it never is, that's the only way it possibly gets gets through. Because the cinematography is, you know, you can tell by the trailer. It's awesome. Oh, it, it's very painterly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the costume design, maybe. If they want to, like, throw it a bone somewhere, maybe. You said audiences are not going to react well to it, you don't think? Is that because it's marketed more, as you said, in a body horror type? I think people are going to think that the film is boring. And that not much happens compared to what they thought was going to happen going in. Fair enough. So it's what happened to It Comes at Night, I guess, and people are stupid. Yeah, they're really, really highlighting the thriller aspects a lot in the trailers, but this is definitely like a slow burn, um, more contemplative movie that gets your brain thinking in terms of the thoughts of, like I said, these women and how they react to this man that's in in their home and how he treats them. And there's a lot of fun uh, being played with here by her um, in the screenplay. There's actually a lot of dark humor that I was surprised at how funny it was at times because of the awkwardness of these women that are just like swooning over this guy you know what i mean and they're all kind of like trying to compete with one another to you know get on his good side and they're always like asking questions about him and they're just so curious and i I found that part of it to be something that was unexpectedly surprising but yeah unless if you're a hardcore cinephile or you know uh, a complete feminist here. I, I I can't see how you would watch this movie and not walk out of the theater going, and I was a little boring. I saw a funny tweet that somebody said, um, "The Beguiled is like, and however long it is, just an hour long segment of that bit from Monty Python and the Holy Grail when the knight walks into the tower. That's all women." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that made me laugh. I was like, that's I had to hilarious. think about that. That's really funny. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. All right. All righty. Well, Miss Coppola, we wish you all the best. And hopefully uh, The Beguile does really, really well at the box office. I'm very so. excited for it. I'm sorry. That and Baby Driver, I'm exploding waiting to see. Baby Driver is so good. I hate you both for having seen so it. So good. Yep. Uh, Alrighty, let's move on to our next segment here. Um, let's talk about some trailers that were released this week. So, first trailer that we have is actually for David Gordon Green's movie called Stronger, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Tatiana Maslany. Uh, Let's take a look at this one. Listen up. This young lady here is running the marathon for bringing a women's hospital. So skip around to Stella and donate to a good cause. I'm going to be there at the finish line for you. I'm going to make a big sign for you. Doesn't show up for anything. <laughs> and then he shows up. There was an explosion, and your legs, they're gone, bro. 
to be back. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, talking to you. What are you doing? Dancing. Wow. You're trying to make a hero out of me. You need to tell your family what's going on with you. Take my mom, take my I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. This is the first time you're in this week and you had three appointments. You just have to show up for Show once. up! I showed up for you! You remind me of my son. He died. Helping you made me feel like I helped my son. And for that, I am grateful. You're grateful. You showed the world that they can't break us no matter what the hell they do. There was this time in the hospital when I, I just want to give up. And we'll rise up. Look at this. Boston Strong. And now, I just want to live. I just want people to see how amazing my son is. I'm going to walk. You know, I'm going to walk with you again someday. Okay, guys, what did you guys think here? Is Jake Gyllenhaal going for that Best Actor Oscar nomination? Or do you think that this is just not going to land well as far as a, uh, as a movie goes? So I would say I, I've talked to some people who read the script. They said this current draft is pretty good and that Hall, as we can tell, has an extremely baity part. Um, Hall is always good. I think as long as this film is decent, and David Gordon Green has had a mixed track record, but as long as the film is decent, this is such a baity part, and I think there is a general perspective that Hall is overdue, he's going to get an Oscar nomination. Because, I mean, we saw in the trailer, like, he's going for it. There's that scene, he's in the car, just like, I came for you! Or, like, something, you know, like, he's really going all out there. Um, I think as long as the film is 70s and Rotten Tomatoes are up, he's going to get in. Okay. Josh, what do you think? Um, I think it's either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. And so, in terms of Hall trying to get the Oscar, even if it's really good, I don't know if he has a chance. Ooh, what, you wow. mean if the movie... Even if the movie does really well. Like, I don't know if he has a chance. Which is sad to say I'm a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Like, I want him to get in, but I don't think he will. Just because the field's so it's packed so this big. year? There's so many people in the playing field. So it's like, I think it's going to be hard for them to try to shove in everyone that deserves one this year. And Jake Gyllenhaal, who's like long overdue for an Oscar, you know. I, I'm of the belief that this movie is not going to be like '90s on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think it's going to do that well. I agree with Will. I think it's like a '70s film because there's a lot of people out there that are gonna, you know, rail against this movie um, for many different reasons, mm-hmm. uh, and so you have that biasness against it already. And then you also have the factor that it could be schmaltzy, it could not handle the material maybe all that well, and as a result, the movie itself could be bad. You know, it just may not hit all the right notes, and it could be something that's And disability films are easy for a director to... Mess up. (laughs) ...mishandle or not handle with the degree of dignity required. Right, so I mean, like, yeah, it, it, it has the potential to go badly. 
Absolutely. I mean, David Gordon Green has not impressed me in a while. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while yeah. since we've had a good David Gordon Green movie. I also wonder, too, if critics, even if they love Hall and they really want to try to go to bat for him, I wonder if some people will interpret this performance and this uh, baby role and just the whole presentation of it to just be um they'll, they'll see it through the cracks and you know they're gonna just blast him for it uh, like it like it's so obvious you're trying to get an oscar nomination you know i don't know if he cares that did, did they do that for eddie redmayne with the danish girl i mean like that was tailor-made to get redmayne back at the oscars but i agree then that this is a film that land it lands somewhere like in the 70s you know what i'm saying yeah, I definitely, I, I don't, I definitely don't see this being universally loved, no matter what. I also don't see it being one of my favorite films of the year. Um, I am though kind of upset if Jake Gyllenhaal gets a nomination for this, but he does not get it for Nightcrawler. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Gyllenhaal doesn't care enough. So I feel like we would easily look past the whole. Oh, you're just trying to get an Oscar nomination. I don't think Gyllenhaal takes roles for that reason. Okay. Yeah, and I agree. I, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. Because he's in just, he's in some obscure shit. Like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I just wonder if some people will truly, you know, look at it and ask themselves that. That's all. No. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Tatiana Maslany. Anybody think that she could be a contender uh, in any way? I think it's the Holly Hunter scenario. Oh no, I was thinking of Helen Hunt. Okay, so you think she won't get in unless he gets in? Just, no, just like um, the Holly Hunter scenario where it's like, unless the category is absolutely stacked, like she's probably not going to get in. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's fair. And I believe that that's probably like a Helen. You know what it is? It's the Sessions. It's the Helen Hunt nomination. Yeah. Right. That's that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And then she got in without him. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I am curious about that one for sure. Uh, the second trailer we have this week is... For Marshall, starring Chadwick Boseman, Sterling K. Brown, Josh Gad. It is directed by Reginald Hudlin. And let's take a look at this one. You gentlemen are making a big mistake. This here is Mr. Thurgood Marshall. This man is an attorney. You will treat him with the respect that he deserves. My great granddaddy, he was a slave. We're not slaves now. We've got weapons we didn't have before. We've got the law. Baby, you go into these towns, we've never seen a Negro lawyer. Hey, Bart! You need to be careful. NAACP. Very good. You're going to Connecticut. Joseph Spell, Negro servant attacked socialite in her own bedroom. This case will show the world if a color man can get a fair trial in the United States. There's only 13 million Negroes depending on you. Don't any of you have any confidence in me? I'd say you have enough confidence for us all. I only represent innocent people, people accused because of their race. That's my mission. I never touched that woman. I need a partner who the jury can relate to. Sam Friedman. Good to meet you, Sam. Hey, give me a hand with these, would you? What have you got in here, cement? Guns. Books, Mr. Friedman. You just sweep through town, stirring up all kinds of ugliness. My life is on the line here. Hey, Attorney Friedman, hold on a minute. What do you want? You're one of us now, Sam. A real fighter. Step away, you can't take the heat on the 
Neither of them have been telling us the truth. He attacked me. I'd advise him to accept the deal. You lied in a sworn statement. Why would you do that? Why'd I lie? Because the truth gets me killed. Can't deny me now. Tunnel vision. If you want freedom, you're gonna have to fight for it. Stop me now. The only way to get through a bigot's door was to break it down. Man, Chadwick Boseman is everywhere. <laughs> right? He's great. I mean, he's he's a stone cold badass and endlessly charming. So he's been killing it for a while, though. Like he's get on he's up in really uh, forty two. Get on up, yeah. Gave great performances in both of those. I think Sterling K. Brown looks really good. It's been a while since we've seen him. Let's get him back. Now they're throwing Josh Gad and everything too. Um, I'm not a fan. Yeah, only thing I didn't like about this trailer is uh, someone pointed out there's a trope in a film like this where they're like, okay, let's have the white guy be- get beat up so we can, uh, as if to remind uh, the whites watching, hey, we haven't forgot about you. You know, like, it, it seems like they're pandering to potential white audiences in that one. Um, just like having Gad, I mean, honestly, even making Gad a central part of the story. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, he gets the shit beat out of him. That's definitely a trope in the film. Yeah. Where yeah. he's like, I didn't really realize it until I got my own ass kicked. And then it's, I don't know. That, that, that's a trope to be sure. Yeah. Sterling K. Brown, very big in the television world right now. Uh, Emmy winner for The People vs. OJ. Could be another Emmy winner for This Is Us. Ooh, do we think that this could be translating? I hope so. Uh, if the film turns out to be good and memorable, absolutely. I don't know about a win, but um, yeah, I think he, he could easily get a nomination. I mean, he is very popular right now. We saw that with you know Cranston a couple years ago, got in for Trumbo, largely probably because people were still so um, in awe of Breaking Bad. It was kind of an afterglow nomination. Um, I mean, Cranston is still good in Trumbo. Like, I feel like the performance oh, yeah. has to be like at least somewhat strong you know well and i'm sure sterling k brown will give a strong performance yeah, yeah, yeah. like um but you know what i mean like uh yeah. trumbo came and what studio was releasing marshall is it open road is it i don't remember uh so <sighs> open road open road is producing marshall so i mean obviously they they made spotlight happen so they can do a campaign um but the the other comparison goes back to bleaker street was not a big studio, hadn't had a lot of Oscar success, and managed to get a nomination for Cranston for Trumbo despite that. So this is a... Sterling K. Brown could be another example of that, I would say. I could see a scenario where Bozeman and and, uh, Sterling K. Brown are the pair of Oscar nominations uh, for the film. Yeah, I I don't know if the... I mean, like, I don't know if I see the film as a whole being a major contender, but it looks interesting and entertaining for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, we were talking about best actors just fucking stacked. Um, Bozeman being present just makes my predictions even more complicated. And, uh, Denzel's movie, Denzel has a new movie coming out that they just announced is going to get a 2017 release too. I mean, this category just keeps getting more and more stacked. That's the, is it the Dan Gelroy movie? I mean, it's, it it is wild. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I keep forgetting how many best actor like possibilities there are. 
Oh my god, it is... It, it, this has the potential to be an unbelievable... It's funny we mentioned Gyllenhaal because it feels a lot like 2014 where, you know, you it, there's just not room for everyone. Yeah. It's... So it, it'll be interesting to see where all that goes because this is going to be... It's, it's like Best Actress last year. It's unbelievably competitive. Well, it's part of the reason why I don't think uh, Hugh Jackman's going to make it for The Greatest Showman. I don't. I mean, for a musical, yeah, absolutely not. Unless that film is turns out to be extraordinary and a Best Picture contender, yeah. Yeah, um, and I also have my doubts about Joaquin. Ooh, no, get out. Um, Joaquin is the man. He is. If it's as good as people say, he's getting in. That feels like I, one of those like snubs that the internet just goes nuts over. It'll be uh, Amy Adams, <laughs> like last year. I mean, are, are we all in a grandstand? Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Gary Oldman are locks. Yeah, in, unless their respective films are just ass, then yes. Yeah, I think every pundit on the planet has them in their predictions right now. Yeah, so they can't be a lock because honestly, it, 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 like, who knows? Um, yeah, the film's darkest, terrible. You don't know. Well, not performance, but Darkest Hour could be like, a 36 on Rotten Tomatoes, and then even if Goldman's amazing, he might not overcome that. But short of that, yeah, I think it's... I think they're locked. What about Tom Hanks in the papers? God, I hope not. <laughs> um, no, I'm not gonna say he's a lock. I think even if that film was a Best Picture contender, it could do it without him. I mean, we've, we've seen that happen lately. Bridge of Spies and Captain Phillips, you know, were both much-beloved films by Ampus. And they did not find it necessary to also acknowledge Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks... I think we talked about this last year when we reviewed Sully. Um, Tom Hanks is going to have to do something really different before he gets nominated, and certainly before he wins again. I still think he deserved a nomination for Captain Phillips, and that was a terrible snub. Yeah, Captain Phillips is his best in a while. Oh, he's great in it. That last scene's amazing, but he's still in many ways playing Tom Hanks. No, yeah, yeah, I agree. He has to do something different. Yeah. That's why I don't think he's a nomination this year. They're going to give it to Because people else. are taking him for granted, because he's always good. Yeah. So they'll give it to somebody else just so they can give that spot to someone new. Uh, this is a good segue into news of the week here right now. Since we're talking about Best Actor, we're talking about uh, Mr. Daniel Day-Lewis. Huge news this week. Huge. Daniel Day-Lewis has informed the world that Phantom Thread will be his last film and that he is retiring. I am not entirely certain that he can't get pulled out of retirement because he's retired like twice before. I was going to say, didn't he retire after Lincoln? Like, wasn't Lincoln his last movie? He retired, I know... Um, In the 90s, and then Scorsese had to pull him back for gangs. Exactly. So, I take that with a grain of salt. I think in five... He's only 60, if in five years somebody, like great director like Scorsese, for example, or Spielberg comes at him with a great role and a great script, I don't think he'll be able to resist. Someone who's that, in, who's that passionate about the arts, they can't resist the opportunity to do great work. He might be gone for a little bit, but honestly, we only see a performance of his every five years anyway. So, I... Josh, do you agree? Nah, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't... I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, you know? <laughs> okay, well, we'll we'll see for sure. Um, let me put it to you guys this way, then. If it is true, do you think that this pretty much secures him the win now? No. 
Uh, no, I, I don't. But I think he'll at least get a nomination. Honestly, like I think PTA films, they're great. They're becoming less and less Academy accessible with every passing film as he gets more into making very different sorts of projects. So I'm not expecting him to give Daniel Day-Lewis a Beatty role. Lewis has never given anything less than an excellent performance, but I, you know, like, Lincoln was a great performance, but he's also playing Abraham fucking Lincoln. Like, that's a really Beatty role. I'm not sure whatever this is will be a Beatty role, and I don't think he's going to pull a Hepburn and, uh, you know, set the all-time record unless this is something that really appeals to the Academy's sensibilities, particularly when you have... It's, it's about fashion. Yeah, it's about fashion in London in the 50s. Like, <laughs> nobody cares about yeah. that. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it'll be interesting, but that's, you know, it's, it's not playing Winston Churchill when you've never won an Oscar, for example. So, no, I, I, I don't think at all that secures him the win. It's not like he's never won and is about to retire. That's a good point. But then again, they may just want to give him the send-off, and, you know, because he's the greatest of all time. Okay, can we talk about that? Do we think Daniel Day-Lewis is the greatest actor ever? I do. I think many would say either he or Brando. That's wild. Per, I, I really do believe it. <laughs> That's insane. Well. I guess it's not insane. Like, it makes total sense, but... <laughs> conver- conversation over then, I suppose. <laughs> I was just curious when people are like, oh, he's the greatest, if they actually, like, thought that. <laughs> no, I, I definitely have thought it through time and time and time again. Cool. All right. Uh, other other huge news this week: Phil Lord, Chris Miller, fired from the Han Solo spinoff project. Ron Howard has been brought in with three weeks left of filming remaining. Well, he's gonna—they're gonna add an extra five, right, for reshoots. We heard that. Yep. Are they reshooting everything Lord and Miller did, or? No. Um, it sounds like Lord and Miller started adding in more improv as the shoot went on, and they started really kind of playing with it more over time. So I'm sure there's a lot of things they shot that are pretty similar to what was on the page. They, they quote-unquote wanted the Han Solo character to be like an Ace Ventura-like character. Uh, yeah, from uh, so and obviously, you know, like Lord and Miller have not uh, confirmed that. So we, we put that in the um, the category of likely rumors. But um, that, is w- that is what a number of sources from the set have said, um, which it would be an interesting direction. I'm not, you know, like I was upset by the prospect of studios, you know, the, Kathleen Kennedy, this heavily regulating both Rogue One and this, how they turned out. If it was going to be that comedic, I hate to say it, but it might have been for the best. No, I'm in agreement with you on that. I really do believe that that would have been uh, the better choice stylistically. Um, Han Solo should be a light, breezy, fun character. Um, I don't think there's any need for them to go dark with it. If anything, it should be like their Marvel like toned movie. You know what I'm saying? Right, but it doesn't need to be completely slapstick either. Yeah, I'll play devil. I'll play devil's advocate. Phil, and, um, Miller, and Lord were in the wrong. I think. Mmm. Because there's kind of sounds like there's, it. There's a very fine line between like wanting to have artistic like control over the film and also at the same time working for goddamn Disney. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not. I don't know what they expected. 
that's that's my view i don't know what they were expecting to get away with yeah yeah so when everyone uh, was like insanely blown away i was like yeah like <laughs> fucking star wars mm-hmm. uh, yeah, kathleen kennedy is like, gonna let them run around and do what they want like that's not but it works. seems like ryan johnson and uh jj abrams did have more freedom I don't know, cause JJ, cause um, I was, I watched the Force Awakens the other day. It doesn't feel like an Abrams film. Yeah, I disagree. And from the trailer of Last Jedi, at least, it doesn't feel like a Johnson film. Like I would say, like they, and those are both like auteur directors. Like I would say they had to reel it in hmm. for the movie. I don't know. I guess this brings up the question over whether or not you believe that uh, directors have any control anymore in these types of uh, big Hollywood films. Josh Tarpley wrote a really great piece on that, uh, questioning do directors even matter anymore or is the system so big that they just – they're just never spoke on the wheel and the wheel is just going to keep on spinning with or, or without them. I think it's just more of a collaboration effort. Like I'm sure – I feel like some people are kind of blowing the situation out of proportion. Like, they're thinking that, like, Kathleen Kennedy just came in and was like, fuck you, get out, like, you're a piece of shit. Like, I feel like that's kind of how people are reacting. But I'm sure that Kathleen Kennedy is smart enough to collaborate with directors. So I mean, it got this sm- far in the production process. Yeah, they so they obviously made it, tried. You know, yeah, so they obviously made the smart decision. Like, you know, Han Solo is going to be a comedic film, and then you have Woody Harrelson and Donald Glover. Like, you have these comedic actors. So let's bring on comedic directors. Like, that makes sense. Yes. You know, so they had the patience to collaborate with Kathleen Kennedy. So I think it's just a very big collaboration and it didn't end up working out. Like, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> okay. That's Fair all enough. I view it as, you know. Uh, Will, do you have anything else to send us off on uh, as far as news goes? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm sorry we don't have longer because that, that is an interesting conversation. <laughs> I think we should I think we should revisit that topic on another episode because there, you could go a lot of places with that. But... Um, yeah, news we have for this week. Tommy Lee Jones just joined Brad Pitt and James Gray's next film. That's awesome. That's the uh, sci-fi film he's working right, on, right? It is yeah. a sci-fi, yes. Um, we have another critics group that has appeared for next year. Uh, Michael Schwartz should petition to be part of it because the Philadelphia Critics Circle has just uh, been announced. So we'll have yet another regional critics group announcing. Wow. Um Jason Clark and Corey Stoll just joined uh, Damien Chazelle's Ryan Gosling-led Neil Armstrong film, First Man, which a lot of people... Very th- hype about this. Yeah, I mean, that is... Oh, and Kyle Chandler, too. Like, that is a great cast right there. I mean, that... I think there's a couple people that could be looking at potential Oscar buzz, because everybody likes Corey Stoll. He's playing Buzz Aldrin. And um, Jason Clark is... Um, playing a character who has a more tragic story arc so you know if he, he's going to be used for the tear jerking so that is an actor that i post um zero dark 30 i wish he just got more you know what he's I mean? always good he's great and everything yeah like dawn of the planet of the apes i think i think what's always been hard for, is he's a very distinctive looking individual um <laughs> And he's been pinholed into certain kinds of roles. Um, yeah. But he's, he's always great. Um, he's a good character actor, too. So He's so devastating in a, even something like Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, whatever his name is, the gas station guy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's always good. Um, 
Paul Feig and Peter Farley are both working on dramas. Uh, Peter Farley, as in Farley Brothers, something about Mary, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, just got Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen to lead his drama. That's so, fucking awesome. Yeah, that'll. <laughs> uh, movie that's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, so I, I, I mean, that's a great combination. I'm hesitant to see how he handles serious material, but with those two actors, it can't suck. Yeah. Um, David Mamet is going to be writing a script. So James Mangold is clearly, he's done with blockbusters for a little bit. He's working with a Taylor Sheridan script and a David Mamet script for his next two films. Wow. Um, That's a dream come true. The two of those and, and the same script? Oh my god. No, no, they're, they're two different scripts. Oh, okay. But he's uh, the same. his next two films. Oh, okay. I see. Um, David Mamet is adapting Don Winslow's The Force, which is a uh, pretty in-demand book right now. Don Winslow wrote The Savages, so it'll be a crime novel. Um, and let's see, Netflix is apparently planning a massive Oscar campaign for Mudbound, so they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that they don't have the Beast of No Nation scenario again. Uh, I keep hearing Mary J. Blige is definitely a contender and supporting actress. Yeah, I keep hearing that too. Um, a couple people said it is a pretty subtle part. Or, you know, like, I know some people from Sundance said they didn't even know which performance she was until they went back and um, looked through the reviews in the film. But I know Chris Tapley says the more you watch the film, the more integral her performance becomes. So that'll that'll be interesting to see how that... I mean, I think at the very least that's going to get some acting love. And then also a, um, a screenplay nomination since Adapted Screenplay looks dire this year. Oh, yeah. And, and finally, the new Spider-Man is getting very good reviews. Many saying it's one of Marvel's best and uh, certainly the best Spider-Man film since Spider-Man 2 and probably the second best Spider-Man film ever made. And Michael Keaton is reportedly the second good villain Marvel's ever had. Next so, to Loki, right? Right. So I'm, I'm excited to hear that. You know, our boy Kevin O'Connell uh, is a sound mixer there, so... Maybe he'll be back again with uh, yet another sound nomination. Hmm. But that, that's about all I have for news this week. Um, I do want to just point out in saying that, uh, you know, you talked about how Spider-Man Homecoming is getting really fantastic reviews. But a movie that's opening a little bit uh, after that, um, that's getting some of the best reviews mm. of the year, is War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Fuck. Everybody, the more I read reactions to that movie, the more I'm like... How good is good? You know what I mean? Like, because people are really praising this, like, hardcore. I'm expecting to shit my pants when I see it. <laughs> you do a lot of, a lot of pants shitting, Will. <laughs> it, it, it's my go-to expression of pleasure, of, uh, of joy, so. <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> God, got a little, got a little Freudian there. <laughs> um, That's the don't don't read into that. On. We gotta end it on that. <laughs> Let's get out of here. All right. uh, Will, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. How about you, Josh? You can find me in my pants shitting at, at Josh <laughs> underscore Williams09. <laughs> and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode, episode 44 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and player fm be sure to leave us a review on itunes you guys are the best 
let us know how we're doing. Are we the best for you? I have no idea. I'd love a review to find out. We will see you all next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.